Hello, Jay. Hey, Tyler. How are you, sir? I'm well. I I have a new setup. I'm in the office at Laboratory now. Uh, Yes, Laboratory Presbyterian Church. My Zoom window. Oh, Oh, my goodness. I forgot I have a phone in here that does things. (laughs) The the laboratory alarm just went off. (laughs) (laughs) Pay no attention. It's just a minor gas leak. Uh, It's Commissioner uh, Gordon calling. But I was going to say, I feel like my Zoom window is just slightly smaller than it usually is, as if there were, were extra space being taken up on the Zoom call. Ah, uh, yes. Today. The, the most, the, that, that's, this is equal to the space you hold in my heart. Oh. Is that it is proportional to the space <laughs> for our guest today, <laughs> Mr. Carl Anderson. You're not actually smaller. My head's just larger. <laughs> Carl, uh, Reverend Dr. Carl Anderson is back with us there again. Uh, but he, uh, I told him he couldn't be on the podcast again until he moved out of Colorado. And so he is now in a different state. Oh, wait. I didn't uh, know any of this. Yep. Uh, Everyone has moved. I've heard, <laughs> I've heard on the podcast all of these great things about Iowa from Tyler's mouth. Yep. Uh, so here, here I am. Coming to you live and on recording from Iowa. Well, Carl had a wonderful question we were talking about just a second ago, so I'll let you take this one, Carl. I was wondering, gentlemen, pastors, <laughs> if uh, like the Major League Baseball stars do when they're heading up to the home plate, if you had play-up music as you were heading up into the pulpit or wherever you do your preaching from. Oh, into the pulpit. I like that. Oh, that changes things. I thought I was just walking into a room. No, 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 no. We're going like, when you're bringing the heat on a Sunday morning, what's your play-up music as you're getting ready to drop that sermon? The theme song to Sanford and Son. Wow. (laughs) I I love that song. It's such a great song. (laughs) Into the pulpit. That's that's your your walk up into the pulpit. (laughs) That's great. Because it starts every every sermon with a bit of levity and irreverence, which I yeah. Don't and then if the sermon's garbage, I could be like, "What do you expect? This, this, this song's about a garbage man." Well, it's just like a one-off from what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Quincy Jones wrote that song, by the way. Really? Which, yeah. Who cares? Anyway. Fun, fun, and educational uh, here <laughs> yeah. on the podcast. I would have. Uh, I have an answer, uh, but there's a song by the XX. Yeah. Intro. Intro. That's a great song. That would be a great walk-up song for the pulpit. Yeah, which um, you, you all can hear right now. Boy, that's a great song. That is That song is super cool. That's the opposite of the Sanford and Son song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you're that, setting the bar oh, real no, high. I went, I went cool. I didn't go cheesy. Uh, yeah. Because and, and you teed this up originally, Mr. Carl, with uh, baseball walk-up, like up to the plate, and... I, I didn't. I'm not super into baseball, but I went to a, quite a few pirate games, and there was a young man who used to play for the Pirates before he got good, and thus we couldn't afford him anymore. Named Andrew McCutcheon, and Cutch walked up for a year to church clap. Oh yeah. By is that Cutch, KB Cutch is the best. with uh, with Lecrae or the Lecrae, other way around? Yeah. Uh, sure. But yes. That's a super intense. Like it's just a good hype song to walk up to. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon, great Instagram follow, by the way. He yeah. does skits and hilariousness all the time. Yeah. He's, very, he's a great guy. But I could get down with some church clap first thing in the morning. Uh, I don't know that my new congregation would so much, but I could get down with <laughs> church clap first thing in the morning. I think that would that would get us going. It would be something fantastic about trying this experiment once or twice and just watching the reaction. <laughs> not telling anybody watching about Watching the it. reaction of the congregation like, what is happening? <laughs> Question. Does it Have go before like yet? the prayer, 
of illumination, or is this like as you're into the the pulpit? That depends how Presbyterian you want to be about it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> like you could you could pray for illumination, drop all the lights, <laughs> hit the prayer, and the moment you say Amen, it goes like yeah, the song starts Chicago Bulls right. style. Yeah. Oh yeah. And the lights the lights are like going all over. Oh, that's great. So what what about you? What, what would your uh, you know, be? there's there's a handful of uh, Andy Minio tracks that uh, I'm I'm quite fond of. Uh, Coming in hot is is a lovely one. Rumor has it is uh, Will Smith uh, joined TikTok. With uh, the song Coming In Hot by Lecrae and Andy Minio. Uh, yeah, You Can't Stop Me or I Ain't Done Yet. Both of those I just are highly entertaining. Um, I'd like to maybe sow some chaos with uh, Sabotage by the Beastie Boys. Ooh, yes. Uh, but, That'd be an exciting sermon. Yeah, that might have to be, that might have to be during a special like uh, church season or some, something of... That raises an interesting question. Does the sermon change oh, based on the walk-up to. song? Yeah, like, your Pentecost you walk-up song has to be completely different <laughs> than and your Advent song. Like I'm I going to the Carol of the Bells during Advent. A Carol of the Bells? Which one? The Family Force Five. Yeah, Family Force Five. Oh, I was going to do August Burns Red. Have you heard that one? <laughs> yes, but there's no there's no lyrics for August Burns Red. They're just when you want to be seasonal yet moody. <laughs> that Family Force Five. We're, we'll talk about. The, yes. them again but I that, so. that Christmas album that Christmas record is, is one of the yeah. best one of the best records. I, I you know I could run I could run a, a nice little trio of Family Force 5 August Burns Red uh, and Reliant K for, mm. for a nice little Christmas trio they all, all three of them have nice little albums I personal self confession like Reliant K Reliant K is more of a Christmas tide yeah like that's, Carol Bell's in Advent August Burns Red, just like <laughs> for Christmas Eve, <laughs> and then for the big show. For the big show. Yeah, yeah. But I, I will say to my embarrassment. So Reliant K's Christmas album is called "Let It Snow, Baby, Let It Rain, Dear." Hmm. And every time somebody would would see the album on my iPod back when that was a thing, or or just reference it, they would laugh, and I would go, "I don't know why that's funny." It took me <laughs> a solid two to three years. <laughs> Before I got the pun of that of that album title, oh yeah. man, it took me a while. So what would be what's the what's the Easter walk-in music? Let's say what's the Lent music? Lent. Like, uh, there's like the deep cut yeah. of church seasons. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> deep cut. Lent just always feels very depressing to me. So I mean, I got to go with like yeah. a Jimmy World or something like that, like something moody. Oh, what about what about World, Exile but, but by Bonnie Bear and oh. T Swift. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. You could do you could do the um, Jimmy World, but the Audrey Assad version oh. of it. Oh, of, of the yeah, middle. yeah. Nah, oh, you're man, that sounds so good. Her Sino Moore is on her Advent album. She covers Sino Moore as well. Sino Moore would be pretty great. It's fantastic. Put that on. Let's <laughs> everybody just stop for a brief moment and enjoy Audrey Assad singing Sino Moore by Mumford and Sons. Yeah. Not the end. Bruised, we 
I'm depressed that we're not actually enjoying it right now. Like that comes later. In <laughs> Why the aren't you enjoying it? Can't you hear it? Oh, right my, my Zoom I'm must be broken. <laughs> I forgot I turned it off for you. Yeah. yeah. Um, baptism Sunday? Is there, is there one for baptisms? I feel like the, the uh, down by the river. Is that Neil Young? Uh, the, the, which one? Down the, the, by the River. Oh yeah, yeah. That's kind of depressing though. Maybe somehow. I shot my yeah. baby. Okay, one. hang on. Reverse course. <laughs> <laughs> I had the title maybe, locked maybe in, and uh, maybe maybe I should go a little deeper in the lyrics. You could, do, I mean, like the Oh Brother song, "Down by the River, Pray." Well, I mean, again, yeah. we could we could stick we could stick with where we're heading and just go jars of clay flood. Ooh. Oh yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. Everyone's for every Christian kid in the '90s, it was like. <laughs> That was the most important. It was one of, of your top three like, anthems. They're playing it on Easy. the song, on the radio. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We felt so cool. Christianity had found its way yeah. into the mainstream. It's so exciting. Um, Could we do bom- bombs over Baghdad for uh, Pentecost Sunday? <laughs> oh yes, yeah. And, uh, I'll do. I'll do uh, any. Oh no, so fresh and so clean has got to be Easter Easter time because <laughs> that's all about getting ready for church. That's, that'd be the walk-in for Easter type for me. So fresh and so clean. But, uh, outcast. Mm. Hey, ya uh, works in just about any scenario. Speaking hey, of. Hey, uh, I'm still mad for any, if you're ever at a wedding reception and they don't play Hey, uh, they're doing it wrong. Yes. That's one, that should, if they play the electric slide or uh, cha-cha slide or any of that garbage and they don't what? play Hey, ya, uh, which is the most hype song of all time. I don't, I'm not a communist. I don't need people to tell me how to dance. <laughs> I dance how I want to dance. Yeah, we know. We've seen. Not according to Big Sean. <laughs> if, your friend, if your friends don't dance, do the rock away. Mm. I mean, you, there's... Oh. It's there. That's... I mean, yeah. I do the rock away during the cha-cha slide. <laughs> I hate the cha-cha slide. That's not music. <laughs> That's the turn to the left. <laughs> turn to the right. It's not even music. <laughs> well, speaking of intro songs, I'm Tyler. I'm Jay. And I'm Carl. Hello! And this is... Roughing the pastor. I've been drinking too much coffee today. I'm a little punchy. I apologize. That's okay. I you you in a black dress shirt. I really feel like you're wearing a collar. Mm. And, I have. Um, do you have a collar? I have one collared shirt. One. I'm sure. Collar I, meaning we're talking like like priestly collars. Yeah, clerical collars. For those who don't <laughs> recognize what we're talking about. Yeah. I went uh, with the straight black shirt with the white collar, yeah. like classic 
uh, thing. The one and only time I ever wore it was I was invited to give a prayer at a Memorial Day celebration where it was roughly 6,000 degrees outside. Oh, and man. I uh, sweated profusely, and everybody kept calling me father. So that was the beginning, <laughs> middle, and end of my time wearing a collared shirt. I want to start a website for all of the newly ordained pastors who are buying collared shirts, and the website would be called Longtime Lister, First Time Caller. Please tell me it's an exchange, so that way, after they've worn it their two times, they're like, I need to buy this. I'll just give it to somebody else. (laughs) Although... I have the dry cleaning bill factored in, but yeah, otherwise... (laughs) AMC had that show for a little while called The Preacher, and he made me want to wear a collar. Do you have a collar? Do you own one? (laughs) No. You're you're hipster enough. You're hipster enough. There's a part of me that thinks if if the time comes that I get pushed down the robed way, that I would I would that I would possibly opt for the collar instead. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I uh, I do not have a collar, and uh, I I part of me wants one, but it's one of those things that like I can't imagine wearing it. But there are times when I don't have it, and I think I'd wear a collar today, but I just can't. (laughs) I met a it's coll- like the Matrix robe. Like that's the other thing, which you also have, Jay. You have the Matrix robe. I have an like all, but straight up all, yeah, yeah, the Matrix robe, yeah. And so, like, you're ready to do kung fu against uh, well, agents. Is it leather? No, I wish. <laughs> no, Actually, that's not true either. Right now, again, it's like six million degrees in the sanctuary. But uh, yeah, I go, I go with the all brown. I uh, I did meet a college chaplain who said he wears his collar all the time around campus, so that way he is easily identifiable. Yeah. At which point I said, the fact that you're twice the age of the students doesn't make a difference. <laughs> <laughs> Clue number one. Gray well, that hair. way he's not a professor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what we what we decided to do today, uh, just for funsies, uh, as as Carl had some some topics and some ideas uh, for us to discuss. And we, we noted before we started recording that left to our own devices, Tyler and I will wander off topic faster than you could possibly imagine. Yeah. So, We're like newborn puppies. You just kind of put us down and we'll just run all over the room. It yeah. begins. Yeah. And might start being <laughs> <on> things. <laughs> uh, we have decided to just turn the reins of roughing the pastor over to our good friend Carl Anderson to to just just keep us on track, but also to, to plumb the depths of some wisdom and knowledge from these three pastorly types none of whom are wearing a collar right now since you can't see us. Or we're all wearing collars right now since you, you don't can't know. see us. You don't know. Yeah, that's true. I am collar blind. Hey-o. Oh! <laughs> I'll just, I'll see myself out. I apologize. <laughs> I, I realized... You. Thanks for <clears throat> thanks for coming today, Carl. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> I have realized uh, we had a, a block party uh, in our soon-to-be new block the other night. Uh, and I realize I don't know if I am capable of having adult conversations anymore mm. uh, between COVID and moving and stay-at-home parenting and Zoom leading youth groups. Uh, my my adult interactions uh, are very very slim. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, gl- I'm glad we can help you practice. Today yeah, <laughs> with this level of conversation. <laughs> I don't know that we are. That's, uh, that's just that's my wonderful preface to uh, to start off by saying we'll see what happens. <laughs> Um, so I, one of the things we're going to talk about today, because you all have been chatting and using, uh, Christian as a curious adjective. Um, so I, uh, you've been talking about Christian music as 
as a uniform thing, and I'm curious to unpack what that means a little bit, to hear what you talk about and why you talk about it uh, in the ways that you do, uh, because I don't necessarily sit on that side of the fence, at least in terms of how you communicate. So uh, I think just getting getting started here, uh, I'm just curious, what, did, what was your first intersection that you can remember with somebody saying, you need to listen to this because this is Christian music? Not hmm. good, bad, or otherwise, not like, hey, this is really good stuff, but at what point either a parent or a youth leader or kindly intended older woman in your congregation said, I'd like you to listen to this. Uh, like what was, where was your introduction to Christian music? I don't think I can go back any farther than this. So I'm trying to make sure this is the introduction. Um, but I, I grew up with the Beatles and like classic rock stuff. Um, but when I got to my middle school youth group, my youth pastor's very first night, he played a song called Sucker Punch by the artist Five Iron Frenzy. Hey. Uh, and uh, that was that was my first foray into Christian music, which is why I would argue, quite to Carl's point, that, that my view of Christian music is interestingly skewed uh, in a particular direction. If that's your starting point, if that's where you get on the train... Um, there are some interesting places to go from there because Five Iron's really great, but they have some leanings and some bents that are a little different than most Christian music. Uh, so my my introduction to Five Iron, I saw them in concert, and Reese Roper, the lead singer, came out wearing astroturf pants, mm. <laughs> and he drank a bottle of uh, Cholula uh, before he sang a word, uh, and. I thought this is going to go places. Yeah, uh, and it did. Wait, a bottle of what? Cholula, the like Tabasco, like sriracha. Oh, oh, jeez. Yeah. yeah, it was, it was a thing. Uh, and just, yeah. I mean, for reference, that stuff is delicious. It, but not, <laughs> it was at a, it was at a youth specialties conference. They were playing last, uh, and it was in a hotel basement, and everybody else went long, like bands do, yes. and they got kicked off stage by security. And a bunch of youth leaders were like threatening to get violent about it, and they wound up just singing "Amazing Grace" without instruments. Like hmm. everybody else was, un- well, they were packing up instruments, and Reese was trying to center everybody. What? Uh, uh, well, Jake, when, what year was that for you, roughly? Ninety-seven. Oh, okay. the lab oh, again. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Try again. <laughs> so. In this, as a quick aside, uh, I'm in my new office, and this is my new phone that has buttons that say things like "Do not disturb." Uh, but thus far, pushing a button does nothing on this phone. Oh boy. Okay, never mind. Seems like it's doing a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> pushing those buttons. It does seem uh, anyway. fair that everything in the laboratory is an experiment. That's oh. so true. That's so hey true. That should, you should put. That I trademarked that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll put it on the bulletin, but then on the back every every single Sunday. <laughs> Trademark, Carl Trademark. Anderson. Carl yeah. Anderson. Yeah, that, that's got to be like mid-90s, right? Like 96, 97, something like that. So I asked that question because I think that makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, the landscape in which – the landscape of Christian music that you were introduced to makes a tremendous difference in terms of your persuasion of Christian stuff. Growing up – my dad was a pastor and also the youth pastor. So my exposure to Christian music, my pastor and my father 
and my mom, because she helped out with youth group too, were all the same people. And right. so I didn't have, and I, I was at somewhat smaller churches, like all my churches were under under 500 members, certainly, but uh, in some cases under 150. So um, didn't have, grew up in semi-rural places, uh, didn't have a whole lot of outside exposure, didn't have some like young, cool youth leader to uh, introduce me to things that my parents weren't introducing me to or something like that. Right. So, uh, and my parents, like they weren't, we kind of there was Christian music just kind of around, but it was never identified as like here's what we should listen to. Like we had like some Amy Grant tapes and Sandy Patty tapes and things like that. Like Christian music, not for kids, but just for people. Michael W. Smith stuff, um, the Friends song, not the theme song to Friends, but Friends or Friends Forever by Michael W. Smith was real big at the Mission Conference when I was a kid, and so that was just a song was like, and it was when I was young enough to be like. Yeah, everybody knows this. When you just think you hear a song and everybody has heard this song. So I thought this is a song that everyone in the world is exposed to. And you know, the Friends are Friends Forever. And and even when I was a kid, I was like, this is a great song that's super cheesy. And so, uh, like, it's the kind of song that you would put over a slideshow at a graduation party or something like that. <laughs> and so that was my exposure to, to Christian music was like Michael W. Smith and the like Bread. Do you remember Bread? They no. were an acapella group. So it's all these like <laughs> mid-80s like adult contemporary Christian music kind of stuff. Uh, so I wasn't exposed to... And again, in the 80s, it would have been like Petra and DC Talk and stuff like that that I wasn't really exposed to. I was exposed to DC Talk as a concept. Like I knew of them, but I couldn't have really identified many of their songs except for I love rap music which I still love because it's a it's a terrible song now hold on do you still love rap music or do you still love that song yes uh, I love rap music because of that song I love a song that's that's called I love rap music and 90% of the song is not rapped so that's that's one of the best parts about that song there is a big there's a big there's some rapping in that but it's rapping like in, there's rapping with quotes on it uh in that song it's it's great dc talk is a very earnest band well so to be fair for, dc talk themselves were a concept for a while yeah like they just oh, did yeah. they had no identity for a while they were Absolutely. wherever the wind would blow and the the uh industry would tell them all of a sudden they yeah. were that and this is this is new thing new thing uh that album uh, which God is doing a new thing is also a great song. This is like Bobby Brown era, like Bobby Brown solo album, every little bit, kind of like so. Lots of oh, I bet you could. People dance I bet you could intertwine those two songs. Oh yeah, in uncomfortably you could, you could, uncomfortably awkward ways. They're basically the same, like song. in a Glee esque so way. You're not going to be happy you did it, but you can do <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, No, this so my the Christian culture of Christian music at that point in the in the late eighties, mid to late eighties, and into the early nineties was all everything was copycat. So yes. all the T-shirts were copycat logos of regular logos, then twisting with like Lord's Gym instead of Gold's Gym, and um, like a Starbucks logo, but somehow twisted into something with Jesus. 
And the music was very similar in that way, in that the music was kind of copycat of other stuff. Every once in a while, you'd get like Andre Crouch and stuff like that that was doing like just amazing worship music, but you weren't going to just sit down and listen to that as a as a 11-year-old kid. I would just hear like, soon and very soon we're going to hear the, see the king. I would just think, what an amazing hymn that is, but it's, it's a song from the 1970s. To the broader question Carl was raising of like why sometimes we talk about Christian music with such distaste in our mouths, that was one of the first times that it started to get a little obnoxious for me was all the copycat stuff. So that was like the heart of Christian music in the 80s was primarily how can we copy what the kids are listening to and give them a replacement, like placebos of the other, of the mainstream music. And that's what DC Talk kind of was lost for a while because they were just trying to copy other music. And so it wasn't until, so Jesus Freak comes out at the end of the 90s. Early early, early 90s. 95. So I was 15 when that came out. Uh, in, in the Jamestown area. And that was the first one I was like, hey, I know DC Talk, and this is like a, a decent album the whole way through. Uh, and then Flood came on the radio around uh, around that time, maybe even a little earlier than that. Uh, and that was the first time where I do remember thinking, hey, this is a Christian band. being really excited about it and thinking this is a really good do- song. But I still, my dad was my youth pastor. Like I ha- didn't have any outside exposure to other things. And my dad liked to listen to a lot of like regular music, well, music from the 60s. But that kind of... So my our exposure was just secular music, and the Christian music was kind of like it, okay if you wanna, but it wasn't. It was never pushed on us. It wasn't until 2005, Tyler Domsky going to seminary <laughs> meets a cat named Carl Anderson, <laughs> who's like you would like this, and you became my pusher for Christian music for three solid years and that and beyond. So you first you gave me Crowder Band. I'd never heard of Crowder Band before, and that blew my mind. And you gave me like nine albums, <laughs> or however many they had at that point. And then um, Lecrae, and we saw Lecrae live. And I didn't know who Lecrae was. We went to this thing in Chicago, and Lecrae was performing was in this room with like a hundred kids. Yeah, yeah. You guys are and, old. Uh, yeah, we are. So is Lecrae, and. Uh, <laughs> So that was amazing. And then we went to this thing called Cornerstone, which we'll talk more about, which blew my mind. So I fell in love with Christian music in seminary because of my friend Carl. Yeah, that's what? a lot of pressure. And I don't know yeah, if I should right? take I, I don't know if I should take credit for that either. <laughs> you don't need to take it, but I'm giving it to you. But that so Cornerstone's a good a good entry into this too because uh, I used to go to a local festival called Creation Festival uh, that's out in the middle part of that was the big one in uh, PA and they had two stages they had the beach stage and they had the main stage and like the bands I was into Five Iron Supertones Reliant K all stayed on the on the beach stage so like you've got this underground original kind of weird astroturf pants kind of music. But then the night would end, and I'd go out to the main stage and see Cademan's Call and Amy Grant, and you know, Cademan's like, Call. I forgot about Cademan's Call. I, I still have a very sweet spot in my heart for Cademan's Call, as you should. I would argue that all of their solo projects are better than they are as a band together. But still, I got a soft spot in my like heart for Cademan's Call. And Derek uh, Webb is a fantastic case study in terms of what happens to people's faith after the fact, too. Oh yeah, no kidding. Derek Webb's does interesting stuff yeah so i do think it's worth explaining to people who are probably not aware of this like me pre-19 or 2005 um that there is an entire or at least right during that decade i would say the decade of the of the 2000 of the odds 
was the the height of the Christian music festivals. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I mean, they had been going on before that, but like they really peaked during that era, and they've even kind of fallen off since then. But there yeah. was there was Creation, uh, there was DCLA, which was the first one I'd heard of. Then there was Creation, uh, which was huge. Then there was Cornerstone, which I only heard of because of Carl. Uh, and then the kids at the church. That, so I was leading a youth group in the middle of the seminary, and the, these kids had known about it. And Cornerstone was known for being more hardcore. And it was held at an old um, like camp, like Christian camp. And so you'd stay overnight. Just a big farm. For, it was a big farm? Mm-hmm. I thought it was a camp. No, it was oh. like... Anyways, five hundred acres of farm. Felt like it. Felt like a camp. <laughs> I guess there weren't any cabins or anything. So you stay in tents for yeah. three or four days. Like, are you, you are you talking about dwelling days. places or state of yes. mind? Like I'm intense. You intensely slept <laughs> in <laughs> both, <laughs> both hardcore, both. Yeah. Again, it's been a uh, long time since I talked to people. Like my, <laughs> like the only the only <laughs> cylinder that's firing is dad joke. Your yeah. dad jokes are surgical <laughs> right now, though. Uh, and then there was another one that came about a little later called a live fest. That mm-hmm. one was really good too in Ohio. I had a um, I had that come across my newsfeed uh, a couple of months back when you and I were there together. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it, so Carl had told me about creation. Then my kids told me about creation. We went to creation, uh, not creation, uh, Cornerstone. And Cornerstone, I had not known about this hardcore Christian music too, and it was hardcore. Yeah. Like it was. And and so nine and I it was one of those things where it started out as a hardcore, like hardcore like punk rock heavy, like that kind of music. Um, and as it got bigger, it kind of incorporated some bigger bands, and so the some some more. Uh, it, it had like the year I was there, David Crowder was also there. David Crowder's not hardcore. Uh, oh, and Pigeon John was there. Who's great? Pigeon John, hip hop artist. He was great. It's curious how everything is there for cool movies and cool music, as defined by Tyler. But that Rolodex doesn't work for those Christian artists. It doesn't at all. <laughs> well, and I was trying to think of the uh, big blank spot in the I wheel. Yeah. Who sings "Meant to Live"? Just That's the band. Switchfoot, man. Switchfoot, yeah. So Switchfoot was there. Man, I, it doesn't work. It's it's. It, uh, Amberlin was there. Family oh, Force Five Amberlin. was there. Yes. Amberlin so was great. Um, and then also uh, August Burns Red was there Under Earth was there um, Saves the Day No, that's that's an emo band uh, Did you wade into the waters like of Zale? Oh, Devil Wears Prada Devil Wears Prada was there The waters of Zale Z-A-O that's So my favorite, one of my favorite things about Zale Is they, they do a Depending on what translation you use They have a word for word Psalm 77 Whoa! So you can just search Psalm seventy-seven on YouTube, and <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> I might have used it for a Psalm devotional for the church that I'm currently consulting. <laughs> nice. Yeah, here's a uh, way to listen one, to the Psalm. Yeah, the other one that was great was uh, uh, who's the had the girl singer Flyleaf. <laughs> yeah, Flyleaf. Flyleaf. Flyleaf was incredible. Yes. Yeah, they were. And I do want to again reemphasize the, I, the appropriate tone to say, "There's also skillet." I think that that's. Yeah. Well, that's to be fair, they are a great live show. They are sure. a lot of fun live, and they sure. have theologically devolved as people away from the microphone. Yeah, 
Well, and they're a great first rock band. For a lot of kids, like a lot of like 13-year-old boys who want to get into like a hard rock band that's not really that hard, like it's a great Madden Moms can NFL be okay with it. Rock music. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, it's, and there was a violin and player. It's, it's anthemic. Um, yeah, they always have a girl drummer. Jen Ledger, who yes, is girl. an incredible drummer. Uh, yeah. Who I, fun fact, uh, I was in a Christian band in college. And we opened oh, yeah, for Skillet this, yeah. once. And uh, while I was setting up my drum set, I was very heavily inspired in the to- at the time by a band called Dream Theater, uh, whose drummer was Mike Portnoy, whose drum set came with its own zip code. Uh, mm-hmm. So my drum set, in an effort to uh, emulate that, had more stuff than any rational human could ever need. Uh, and Jen they, Ledger they walked on. Beaufort. Oh yeah, Jen yeah. Ledger walked on stage while I was setting up and went. Ugh. Why would anybody ever need that much? And I never played drums again. <laughs> Broken man. Broken I'll tell you, that, that's an interesting thing, though, because I, I clearly remember Flyleaf and thinking they had nothing on stage. Like, yeah. it was like they were five, a rock band. five of them, and they, yeah. they'd climb speakers, and they commanded the stage Ooh. in a way that, that rock in a way that, I mean, Skillet was a great production. Yeah. yeah, but it was a it was a curious juxtaposition of you don't need the stuff in order to move the people, right? Yeah, I can still see the pyrotechnics in the skillet thing. Like it's all so choreographed, and <laughs> it's they would burn your corneas. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, and they would be like you would see them at uh, they were the kind of band that's perpetually on like Winter Jam and those <laughs> like kind of traveling. So they have a set that's exactly forty two minutes and it has all the beats. It's like when you see, is it Newsboys that has the spinning drummer? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So stuff like that, where it's like, and to a 12 year old kid who's never seen this before, it's like, it's amazing. But if you go like year after year, you're like, oh, and now they're gonna, so they're gonna end with. The That's because they can't get him out of that drum set. He's he's <laughs> yeah, still no, he, trapped there. <laughs> he's permanently attached. That reminds me of the track thing. Uh, so there was another great band that hasn't been brought up yet, Audio Adrenaline. Uh, for any of you that were Audio A fans. Uh, deeper cuts better than anything else but Newsboys another band that we've mentioned have gone on in, or not Newsboys DC Talk has gone on to just repopulate Christian bands that have lost their lead singers so is it two, I think yeah, Kevin, two of them yes yeah Kevin Max has he's on his audio, own he, he's gone he's gone the he's gone the uh, the Derek Webb route oh, yeah, okay. he's real in, he's an interesting follow on Twitter right he's now. a great follow on Twitter right now <laughs> yeah. Kevin Max he he uh, he's, he's the he's the white guy who doesn't rap from DC Talk. Right, he was in Audio A for like twelve minutes, uh, and they played at a live fest, and their backing track got off from the oh, actual no. <laughs> singing, and it was the <laughs> it was the best train wreck I've ever seen in my life. It was so bad, uh, but it was entertainingly bad. Uh, yeah, it was rough. So the, the the copycat thing is a problem, but here's another problem that, Carl, you've actually pointed me to an artist who is rectifying the problem. So I want to give credit where credit's due. It's like Five Iron Frenzy, where I stepped onto the train. Mm-hmm. Christian artist, they would sing songs that were just absurdly about nothing having to do with religion. Uh, so like, Oh Canada is a tremendously mm-hmm. fun three-minute exploration of all the dumb things about Canada. You have to go uh, there to get milk in a bag. Right. Are they Canadian? They are not Canadian. They're no. Colorado. Oh, they're yeah. Coloradian. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so like, like I used to be. <laughs> now you're an Iowan. Iowonian? Ionian. I what? Iowonian. Is that it? Okay. Uh, 
I think he just uh, let the wah trail off. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Somewhere in there, and it, it came after the big explosion of Passion Conference uh, with Crowder and Tomlin and those guys. Somewhere in there, everything became worship music. Uh, to the point that, like, anything I'm listening to on K-Love, stuff like that, is all, at least on some level, something you would hear in church. Uh, which is fine, but it just kind of got like, uh, what else can we sing about? Uh, until Peabod. Peabod is the guy right uh, now. <laughs> that that if you're gonna if you want some Christian music that's actually like fun again to listen to, I yes. love well, me well, some Peabod. Uh, sweet kid. Uh, he's what 22 or something like that. 23. Um, yeah, that's fun. But that, we, that okay. We can I thank my worship. eldest for that. What's thank that? You. We can thank my eldest for that, Lainey. Oh, nice. We we were heading down. She was gonna go to camp for a couple weeks, and I I know the flavor of Christianity that the camp is. So I thought I better go see what new Christian music's out there. We identified that picture under that category on iTunes and downloaded it. As we were getting in the car for our four-hour drive, and I just started playing it, and I was like, what? She's, and her expression was, are we really going to listen to this the whole time? <laughs> and by about the second time through, she's like, I'm not going to say anything about this anymore. And then when I picked her up, she got in the car, and she was like, yes. And she was super excited that I was still listening to it. Uh, it is, it, it's comedically frustrating how earwormy the, the yes. I mean, it's just, it's almost ideal background music in the best possible way. Yeah. And really, it doesn't try to be anything it's not. If you were trying right. to explain your day over decent synth beats, he's just got a good flow over that. And there's yeah. nothing, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's uh, as white bread turkey sandwich lunchbox kind of uh all right it's as simple as can be yeah and that's what he talks about yeah his his earnestness is great and the fact that he was a singer songwriter folk artist and just did hip-hop for fun makes it like that's what makes it so effortless is he wasn't trying to become do what people would like he just was doing fun hip-hop beats and then rapping over it and i think even even like he just kind of even released it as a mixtape for fun and then at that's what took off and so that's the kind of artist he is now instead of a singer songwriter i'm surprised before we drop peabod i peabod i am surprised that coke hasn't touched his coca-cola song the coca-cola that feels a hundred percent summer vibey and it's just bizarre to me that that hasn't taken it any point that's such a great song as you were okay so i have looked up a bunch of (laughs) christian bands give me like a sentence or two about each band we i know we mentioned it but skill overproduced uh, a good introductory band, Mom Safe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Switchfoot, legendary. Uh, yeah, I I think I would quickly put John Foreman in my top ten theologians. Um, I, I mean, there's a great question about. I mean, his the worship stuff he put out. My goodness. Oh, oh so I mean, good. his, his Lord's Prayer. I mean, I, so I think. I mean, in the, the grand in the song. grand scheme of having to use Christian as a modifier, I think they are a great example of. When you're talented enough and it's not driven by what the industry requires, but it's driven by what the artists want to produce. Correct. Um, that's one of the ways that I think cr- calling it Christian music, like we would say, ah, ah, Switchfoot's not really Christian music. They're good music. Um, yeah. But the reality is 
the reason we call the others Christian music is the same reason we should call Switchfoot Christian music. Yeah. Uh, because of the locus of production, not the content of what's being produced. Right. Yeah. In my but humble me, the opinion. Distinction, but yeah, legendary. and the distinction, the distinction uh, that I kind of felt when you were introducing me to all this music that I would never would have given the chance uh, 15 years ago uh, was Switchfoot, and this is how I said it, is that Switchfoot seemed like musicians who happened to be Christian rather than Christians who happened to be musicians. Uh, where And Skillet and Switchfoot, to me, are a great dichotomy of that, where Skillet seem like they they have a, a a evangelical kind of proselytizing agenda or goal to, to not make it I'm not trying to be critical of them and so that music is their vehicle for proselytizing Switchfoot are musicians who are going to write songs no matter who listens to them and they're also Christians so a good percentage of the songs that they write are about God and so that to me and it's not too it's a different approach to the music and that's why Skillet will produce an album every three or four years that sounds like the album before it. Yes. Because that's the it's the package to get you they are putting peanut butter around the pill so that you will eat it without realizing it. Just like a dog would. Whereas um, Switchfoot and some of these other bands and, and there's a there's a that's a it's not a binary, it's a it's a uh, spectrum in terms of that. And there's obviously a little bit of calculus in that. And perhaps some of the John Foreman solo stuff is different than the Switchfoot uh, main stuff for that same reason. Yeah, I, I think one of the things for me, I, I don't know if I'm quite willing to to sidetrack Skillet that much. I think yeah. for a world that, for, for versions of Christianity that want to divide into us versus them, I think there are artists that really want to play to how they perceive us. Hmm. Um, and that's I, like I would put them in that category that they're making music for Christians for the purpose of or for whatever purpose they they desire. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas yeah. a band like Switchfoot would be putting out good music. Yeah. For anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, that's I think great, I think that's like some that. of it for me is just not saying that it they're. I, I think Skillet limits their imagination in terms of what they're capable of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not inherently. Uh, um, like confrontational or uh, trying to be like us versus them, but it is inherently recognizing we're writing to this specific audience. That's uh, I, I'm a big fan of Switchfoot, and they put out a documentary a little while back called uh, Fading West. Uh, and one mm-hmm. of the first things in that is they go to Australia, and I think it's called Soundwave Festival, mm-hmm. um, where it's this just it's not at all a Christian festival. It's it's metal bands of the most secular variety. Uh, and one of the things they say as they're walking in is like not a whole lot of bands would play to a hostile crowd. Even fewer would do it intentionally. Um, mm-hmm. And that's th- that's the us versus them, I think, of like Skillet's never going to play a Soundwave festival. Skillet's not going to play an X-Fest or a Vans Warp Tour or a – because that's not friendly confines. I See, that's one of those weird things, though, that as as an industry starts to become about money, though, mm-hmm. like a few of these production, a, a few of the labels got in with some of these festivals mm-hmm. and we're starting to put artists on, like, and figuring out what you say. Like, we've talked Flyleaf already. Flyleaf was headlining Lala for a while, yeah. mm-hmm. or at least one summer. So, I mean, I, like, it's possible that the stuff gets out there. It's like, I would imagine Skillet would be told, if you play this festival... You have to not do X, Y, and Z. That doesn't mean you can't sing your songs and you can't do these other yeah. things. Right. Uh, 
But, you know, because those are the weird things that would come out, like, after the fact. So, such and such band was playing Warp Tour, and, you know, they had everybody singing Amazing Grace in the middle of one of their sets because there was a tiny break, and that was yeah. revolutionary. And we were like, yeah, look at us. We're, we're going to get them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, that's the us versus them thing. Yeah. Like, if you're infiltrating, to, like, if you see Play Advance the Warp Tour as, a, as an infiltration where you can secretly give this Jesus to people, then you have a different approach than we are also musicians. Right. You may sing about uh, letting the bodies hit the floor <laughs> and we sing about, uh, <laughs> about love and trying to figure out what God wants for me like that. It's not, it's just a, a different um, it's, it's content within the music rather than agenda. Uh, I, I briefly thought about that as my play up music too. Ooh. Let the bodies hit the floor. Yeah. I was thinking of that for for the baptism Sunday doing drowning pool. It's better than a funeral. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, down with the sickness is the is the funeral. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, by disturbed. Uh, okay, newsboys. Give me a sentence or two. Huge for me Impression. in middle school and high school. Absolutely loved them. Uh, but even there, caught on their albums that all came out while I was there before they started again, going really heavy into worship stuff. All their albums followed a formula. Uh, mm-hmm. Like you could, the every track two is the exact same track two. every track five is the exact same track. five. like, the, it's like, it's like Tyler's mixtapes in 1990s. <laughs> right. They all have the same flow. <laughs> and like I, to have caught that even in middle school and high school is kind of like, wait, why are they? That's the same thing. There's no, there's no artistry in this. It's just wash, rinse, repeat, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, they're part of the they're part of the the holy uh, contemporary Christian music trilogy or trinity. That it's it's DC Talk, Audio Journal, and, and Newsboys. Those were the three. Uh, th- those were the three champions early on. Yeah. Um, you know, I and Newsboys are Australian. Yeah. Yes. Ish. And Audio Adrenaline was from UK. Uh, well, I thought they were from around here. I think, but I, think I could so. be wrong. Maybe they're from the South. I don't know. They all had long hair like they're from Europe. <laughs> I uh, I probably need to do some sort of uh, act of forgiveness at some point uh, or penance for playing Breakfast in Hell. Yep. Uh, and just some of the like the weird, the weird lyrics that felt like they were in tune with what I should have been about. Mm-hmm. I, I love that the, song yeah. in middle school. And... I was cleaning out some room, you know, a couple of years ago, and that CD popped out of some pile of garbage. And I, I listened to that song and went, "Oh no!" Yeah, that's, that's not... the one that I had never heard before. Yeah, and Jimmy tried to explain it on the podcast. I still can't believe that that was a real. He's like, "They have that song called Breakfast." Oh no! There's um, I don't, I, I think it's that. I think it's that song. It's another, or it's another one that uses that that same kind of synth Is that, progression. That's Newsboys or Audio Adrenaline? It's Newsboys, um, and they. Uh, there's a Hillsong song on the new album Awake that has a little bit of that same synth progression. And every time I hear it, I think, what is, no, like that's not the mashup that you're looking for here. Like, don't, <laughs> don't use that as your callback. Okay. Uh, casting crowns. Never got on the casting crowns train. Um, this... and that piano line from, I can only imagine makes me sweat. There we go. I, I was gonna I was gonna reiterate that all of the bands I've listed, save Switchfoot and a little bit of Skillet, I don't know anything. I couldn't 
I couldn't tell you a Newsboys song. I couldn't tell you a Casting Crown song, but only, I can only imagine. I definitely know that song. I, well, and I'll say this. The, the, there's at least 15 years between the two of those bands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Newsboys is an early 90s band that's just, we Christians found it and haven't let it go, and they'll keep putting bodies in there as long as they'll keep playing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Casting Crown feels like what a lot of people have a cringy response to in terms of yeah. contemporary like Christian music. music that, me, which is... Well, they just feel like, a, hey, they're high production. They're going to mm-hmm. be designed to sell big tours. Uh, their music is, I mean, it's filled with passionate people. Just uh, Mercy Me. Aren't they casting Crown Part 2? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Cutlass? Who? I got into Cutlass a little bit, but not much. Uh, they're heavier. I think they're from that, like, yeah, heavier kind of um, Emery. Emery? Oh, yeah. Come on now. Don't, <laughs> yeah. Don't was, that was a band don't, right there. Don't don't throw Cutlass and Emery. Uh, in terms of, <laughs> like, that's just unfair. Like, if you, want, if you want a great song that continues to hit hard, their song, Walls, like, that's the song that you link to at this moment. Like, Emery's song, like, it is, it's great musically in terms of hardcore and stuff like that. Like, it is. And it, it has... Uh, it has every bit of like late, early two thousand angsty kind of video yeah. feel to it. Like, did they have? Did Emery have like a rough singer and a clean singer? Also? I think that or, I think I, I mean, it, I think it was just. I think it's one guy that did that was, both, or they had somebody that was an instrumentalist that also. Yeah, that's did one. The, those were the ones that even at the time I was like, I, I wish it was all just. Clear. So what they, what I learned from my kids at the time, my youth group kids, is that. It was there were bands like Under Oath is a great example mm-hmm. where they would have some much of their vocals was sang like throat like like that which I couldn't get down with uh, and then you're not down with that sickness singer no not down with that sickness at all uh, and then they would be clean singing which is like traditional singer and oftentimes the 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 main singer would be the throat and then the clean singer would be like the drummer or something who would like sing a counter chorus or a bridge to this throat song. Um, Emery, I think, was all clean singing, for lack of a better word. Uh, here's a good one. Striper? Yeah! To hell with the devil, baby. <laughs> they're, they're just Striper's cl- early 80s. Classic 80s metal hair band. I yeah, only yeah. know they about actually... Striper because Five Iron Frenzy makes fun of them so much. Yeah, they should. They all wore uh, black and gold like they were uh, yellow jackets. Yeah. Third day. Third day, I have a very soft spot in my heart for. Uh, What's their song? What do they have? Oh, they, have they were Hootie and the Blowfish. He sings like uh, like Eddie Vedder, yeah. Yeah. No, he sings like Hootie. Eh, I can see Hootie. He's got the low southern voice. I saw them at Kennywood, a local Pittsburgh amusement <laughs> park. Uh, like just walking around? No, they they put on a oh. show, some sort of like Christian music day, and it was right when they first came out. So like before they got big at all. Um, and they were. They, what's their song? Didn't they have? What's their big song? I don't know what was biggest. For I them. mean, Agnes Day is one of the big ones. Yeah. Okay. But they have like some worshipy songs, like songs that praise <laughs> man. Listen. They yes. too. They too took yeah, a dive to it. worship. Not a dive. Yeah. I don't want to put it in that. Not a bad. But they bad thing. they turn in that direction pretty quick. They opted for that revenue stream. Yeah. Uh, so I'll say I'll say this about Third Day. Third Day feels like Mercy Me and and who's the other one? Casting Crown. Yes. Not. Yeah. Yeah, it, third day is their dad. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And the the times here have it uh, thousand foot crutch. They are in the uh, NHL game on Xbox that I play. So 
Just currently, the, just the one song. Well, it's like NHL 2013 because I have an old Xbox. Oh, but still, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, not, not that leaves a bad taste in my mouth. <laughs> uh, TFK, as uh, <laughs> <laughs> they uh, they felt like one of the one of the earlier bands that got pushed as a hey, here's a Christian alternative yeah. to other stuff, yeah. um, which makes them part of that soured taste because they weren't. Yeah bad they just were foisted yeah uh 10th avenue north is that right yes okay (laughs) radio christian music yes so some of these names for these bands are you gonna do build uh, uh, axe 29 or building building 20 building 29 building 210 429 (laughs) what about pax 217 pax 17 was like the freshman team for pod yeah P.O.D. Speaking of which, yeah, P.O.D. I watched a P.O.D. video the other day. They came across my news feed uh, somehow on Facebook. Uh, this is what happens when you don't show up on Facebook. They try and do things to woo you back. And I was like, I'll watch this. And I thought, by the way, I like that part of myself. I liked P.O.D. <laughs> yeah, P.O.D. I liked P.O.D. because of you and, and the youth of the nation. Um, the album also, before that, though, I just wanna... Southtown, that's, yes. that's great lawnmower mo- music for me right now. <laughs> I have returned to that album hardcore. It's a great album. You're listening to furious music while you mow the lawn. I so, hate that so show so much. It brings out the, the metal in me, you know? If you go before that, the Brown album, uh, it's an even deeper cut, but they're using, like, NWA samples on that album. Ooh. Nice. I like it. Uh, and for people who don't one. know, P.O.D. was Limp Biscuit about five years before Limp Biscuit was yeah. the good version It was during that Biscuit. rap rock thing. Yeah. Payable on Death? No? Yes. Um, need to breathe. The best show. I, I mean, maybe I would put it in my top five concerts I've ever been to. Need to when breathe. When they open for Taylor Swift? No. Need to breathe and Switchfoot together. <laughs> and they guested with each other. So, like, they would come oh, out for two songs good. in the first set. Oh, I love it when bands do that. Yeah, I love when bands do that. It was just so good. Uh, I haven't listened to that much at all since then. That was like six seven years ago but that was such a good show they, they get a they get a, a top-notch review from jay for that show alone uh jars of clay godfathers yep i still love <laughs> some jars of clay they stuff. they haven't put yeah. anything out in a long while but one of my favorite That's fine one of my favorite things about them is every album is so radically different and yet so mm. always jars of clay they had a nice Christmas album too. Their yes, drummer boy was good. Yeah. Yes, they did. I feel like they almost resented Flood for a while. Yeah. Like because Flood was so big and people were like play Flood again, and <laughs> that was me uh, turning in and play Flood uh, for King and Country. Eh. They're Australian. Yeah. They, they do have that going for them. They. The, I know that they made a movie where the guy was like a hero who saved uh, people from uh, trafficking, human trafficking. I, I saw uh, them so. at a live when I was back when I was a youth worker all of four <laughs> weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> uh, and they came out. It was the first time I'd ever seen them. Their, their lead singer came out holding a marching snare drum, but like yeah. old school revolutionary style. Yeah, and, they're Viva La Vida. And they, he walked out on stage and I turned to Ed Sutter and went, no. And that but, was it. Opinion was formed right away. I don't know what it was about yeah. the moment that I was like. I think no. they also make their own clothes. Like they're very, they're very interesting. <laughs> it's 
these interesting fellas. Hawk Nelson. Oh yes. Yeah. That, that's that's a seasonal thing. That's a life lifetime season. You know. They've also they've also pivoted into radio CCM. Yeah. Mm. Uh, aforementioned Reliant K. <laughs> you can create. You can create some. You can create some uh, some division among folks because there are a lot of people that have issues with them in general. How uh, so? I just I know so little about Matt. Him. Matt and the lead singer Matthias's personality uh, has has caused rifts for some, mm-hmm. uh, and there are some that really strongly put Sadie Hawkins' dance in their ex 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 evangelical like uh, testimony. Uh, people who have left the church from the evangelical tradition. That's like that's. One of the highlighted things for uh, coded misogyny. I was like, ooh. Oh. But I, I <laughs> they were always fun, which is probably my blind eye yeah. to all of my privilege. But I've always been entertained. And, and you know, their pivot into soft punk music, uh, wherever it's played, has been enjoyable for me personally. Their new album, Air for Free, is not half bad. Uh, it's 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 got some interesting theological stuff, kind of exploring what you're talking about of, like, his growth and where he came from and, and you know, how, how he's evolved to get to here. Uh, it's still not, like, grade A stuff, but it's it's passable. It's pretty passable. There were rumors for a while. So there was a Crowder band that did uh, – a Crowder album that did covers uh, where people covered Crowder songs, and Thiessen did one, and there were questions if he swore on it. And I mm. remember, like, li- trying to listen to it three or four times, like, is it is he saying it? I can't tell. Okay, uh, let I blaze through a couple more. Demon Hunter. Yes. Who? <laughs> <laughs> hardcore, hardcore music. They use they use the uh, the old bull skull as their logo. They're great. Mm. Nice. Uh, Sanctus Real. Cutlass. Real? Cutlass. No, they okay. exist, but yeah, that's... they're Cutlass. Disciple. Older, older hardcore. Yeah, this is all. This is what Google's giving me. Big Daddy Weave. Oh. <laughs> I, just, I just really don't like that name at all. I don't it's, know what it's, it, there it's fa- stunning to me. I do want to say, especially because of my time DB and whatever, and I grew up a pastor's kid. I know so little about any of this. It's, they, it's really Big Daddy Weave is like the failed attempt at casting Crown and Mercy Me. <laughs> okay. Uh, Sidewalk Prophets again. It's Sanctus Real or Cutlass. Yep. I feel like that should be like a Rage Against the Machine copy. A Christian Rage Against the Machine should be called Sidewalk Prophets. Uh, Flyleaf, we've already talked about. Yep. Incredible. Uh, Stellar Cart. <laughs> so the, one of their guys is from Cedar Rapids. Uh, oh, and when I was here a while ago, they have a great song called Student Driver. It's just really fun punk music. Which, MXPX hasn't been on your list. Nothing from Tooth & Nail has been on your list. I'm, this is Google. And we haven't, we haven't pivoted anything towards modern worship music, which how do we frame that in the conversation? I'm, co- I'm coming music? there. Okay, wait, let me give you a couple Ooh. other. August Burns Red? Yes. Great Christmas song. Great Christmas Art album. Stuff. Uh, 12 Stones? Is that a thing? Nope. <laughs> Red? Yes. Red is the worst thing that happened to Winter Jam. Yeah. Because yeah. they were so good and so positioned to be good. And Red, there's, there's a tooth and nail band called Stavesaker, mm-hmm. uh, who is phenomenal. And Red felt like the evolution of what Stavesaker was drifting towards. Uh, and Red was really good and talented, and they wound up just being stuck in a winter jam. Or the twins in that band are from like Sharpsville, like from right around here, just north of Pittsburgh. 
Red, Red legitimately scared me the first time I saw them live <laughs> at how hardcore they were. And then, yeah, Winter cool. Jam got a hold of them and not so much. Uh, Super Chick? <laughs> hey, you group girls, I- we've got something for you, too. <laughs> What did I hear them Barlow cover Girl? That Speaking made me... of Barlow Girl? Oh, yeah. Isn't that a uh, spin-off band of Pillar? I remember Pillar kind of. I did they, I think they played a U2 song. I think I saw them and they They were they were Sunday somewhere in that Pack 17 217 yeah. era. Yeah. Yep. Uh Project 86? Yes. Yeah, that's so, a good band. So that's good. A, <laughs> that's a Carl gave me that band. Yes, they're really so band. good. The hard hardcore. Yes, Spy uh, Hunter is still seventh, Spy Hunter is still one of the better songs that's out there. Yeah, yeah. So, Seventh Day Slumber. Uh, I don't know what that is. They Rent might have collective. been Seventh Day. Is Seventh Day Slumber the band that first made like an off version of Inside Out, the worship track, or is that Maybe. a different Seven something or another? Did I open? But for in terms Seventh of Day Slumber too, I may have. That name sounds really familiar. Oh man, it, that could also be Seventh Time Down. I mean, there's yeah. there's a couple of those. There's that a are, lot of sevens out there. Ooh, Tyler found something. Uh, uh, Norma Jean. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Norma Jean. So good. <laughs> They're so hard. Norma Jean was the one. So, uh, again, so this is back from Cornerstone. Norma Jean and um, uh, Me Without You are the two oh. bands that I came away from that. Like, good. what? Uh, Norma, Jean, Norma Jean was a, a band that uh, they had a more hardcore thing, and they were, like, scary. Like, they were actually scary, and they looked scary not in a, like, we're trying to be scary, but, like, in a, ooh. Yeah, something's wrong. Like, they wore, they looked like they had just buried somebody in the, in the, in the woods, but not, like, with long, dirty hair, like, with, like, nice hair? Like, with, I don't know. They were really interesting and really, really good. Um, Blueprints for Future Homes, is that the, no, that's on? Uh, oh, I thought you were doing another band. I was like, I have no I idea. I've heard of them. Uh, and Me Without You is incredible. Yes. I've already mentioned Me Without You on previous episodes, but just listen to Me Without You. They're so good. Yeah, they're next level kind of like weirdness, like post-punk kind of music. Very lyrical, very odd, very like spoken word. Like it's, it's you just got to hear it. It's really good. I highly recommend uh, the Brother, Sister, that album. Brother. Camera TV. Something like that. Um, <laughs> but that took me a second. Was, I caught up now. Yeah. I'm back. <laughs> okay, I got two more in this in this last little thing. Delirious, Delirio Five. I'm, I'm oh, saying did you, it, I'm did saying you it feel the, way the mountains that, tremble? Yeah. Is that what that's from? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's Delirious. They were supposed Five. to be like the Australian U2. Yeah. Like okay. like they were selling out stadiums. Wow. Um, OC Supertones. <laughs> Dollar Bin Five Iron Frenzy. What? Ooh. Yeah. No they way. They came before Five Iron, yeah? They, they did. Uh, contemporaries. And they, they just they, have such... They're great in their way, but they have such a cheese factor that I almost never get past. Oh. Uh, yeah. I have a soft spot in my heart for for uh, the OC. I, I put them very highly in my Christian, my Christian music overall, but they'll always be right behind Five Iron for me. Are they ska? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They've been on a thing or two that I've sent you. Their yeah. their <laughs> former band that I know. Yeah. Their former lead vocalist is a PCA pastor. Mm-hmm. What? Uh... Yeah. In terms of in terms of one off connections, one of my former students and he were classmates in seminary. How about that? Uh, Mojo. They played. They played for the Pope. 
That's not yeah, a set doing... of sentences that usually go together. PCA nope. pass. Also, how about this? If we were to go into this closet over my shoulder, I have an original members, uh, like band member only, uh, Dickie's coat from the Supertones. Hey. Like they used to roll through Omaha quite a bit. And I like ha- that you, having just moved, it's accessible. Yeah. Like you know exactly where <laughs> keep it is. Keep it nearby. I know where, I know where my coats are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just like waiting for the weather to, to turn cold it's like, enough. It's still in the rotation. <laughs> so uh, the transition that I would have there is, and give me some of this, because again, I don't really know much. So here are the three bands. So Crowder Band, um, mm-hmm. Hillsong, and Bethel Music. Yeah. Is Beth? Which one's the ones that's like going and setting up counter protests at like black lives matter rallies is that Bethel music <laughs> it's, it's it's a it's an affiliation with bethel yes okay okay so bethel is like bethel is a school and they okay. have in out like jesus culture have you heard you've heard jesus culture stuff i'm sure as a band yes not as correct. a as a cultural phenomenon yes okay <laughs> that jesus culture so they put out a bunch of stuff but they're like spirit filled Pentecostal, like okay. Bethel had uh, uh, some some people whose daughter died, like their two or four year old daughter died, mm-hmm. and they held resurrection services for her mm-hmm. for like a weekend to try uh, to try and you know lean into the how they understand faith and trying to believe that God is the God of miracles, and they ran like. Like around the clock, twenty four hour, people could step in and step out. Um, so yeah, I mean they're they're a different breed right now. Are they the ones that did the video? There's a there's a video of a band of a church that had a held a wizard staff and slammed it on this thing to COVID and said that's all not pass. Okay. <laughs> um, the other one that that I I hesitated getting into because of some affiliation that I know. Um, Elevation Music puts out really yep. good worship music, or at least stuff that, okay. that has a lot of traction in churches. Um, I sent you... I mean, that's one of the tracks that I sent... Uh, one of the um, YouTube videos that I sent the other day. Like They have a song that was just resonating with me for a while recently, so I passed and that on. Stephen but it's Furtick. From yeah, that's, the, that's, the, that's yeah. the rough go, is it's Stephen Furtick. Yeah. And he's, well, in, I mean, hard thing he's about even some... in the video that I sent. Uh, uh, some of these... So... so to, to make this transition, some of these now we're talking about praise band. Yeah. So Hillsong, uh, Elevation, Bethel Music, I guess a little bit. What are what are another big ones? So so passion. North Point, North passion North would be the umbrella that's a bunch. So passion yeah, okay. is was Charlie Not Hall, was Matt oh. Redman, was Chris Tomlin. Yeah, Charlie Hall's a rough one. I wish he was around. Uh, but even like Steve Fee. Um, Steve Fee was North Point, right? Yeah, he I mean that's it's all so Giglio's church is, is passion. Okay. So these are all under the umbrella of of passion worship. I mean, Crowder got on that label, but he was at a different church for a bit. Right. And so, just for the just for the listener, if you aren't tracking with this, we're trans. So what we've been talking about is largely radio Christian music, and like it's meant to be listened to the way you would listen to radio music. Right. And then now we're talking about stuff that is primarily meant written to be praise music, right. to be used within the context of worship. There's a little bit of overlap, but these they're different types of. Well, and, and in the day of the modern day of highly specialized radio, uh, it, it does blur lines a lot more because churches are pulling tracks that they hear about off radio. Yeah. They're like, oh, my people might know this song, so we'll start singing this. Yeah. Uh, and so people trying to get those songs into both places because they can 
You can make money if churches are licensing to put up your music on their screens. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you get and you get that crossover too with like Hillsong had Oceans, which was a like t- like a Billboard charting song. Yeah. In but it was a straight like up worship song. Like that was designed yeah, it was for a churches. Straight up worship song. Yeah. It's a great song. And and most places would say that you design them for the congregation to sing and hopefully it takes off. But yeah. So the interesting thing, the, the reason why I made that distinction is that the interesting thing about all of these bands tend to be like praise leaders at specific churches. Right. And so you get like Hillsong or the Elevation group that they also effectively represent a theology, even if that most of the music is pretty nebulous and just vague, like very clearly Christian, but in a vague way that doesn't define theology. But they often have, uh, they belong to, they, they are employed by churches as, as music leaders that, and those churches do have usually pretty defined theology, which can sometimes become problematic, maybe not the right word, but it can be an interesting road to navigate. It can be a distraction. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's a, it's a well, hard one as a, as a worship leader, because like, you know, again, a song like Oceans, I want to take it and run with it, because it is a good song. Well, mm-hmm. I used to. Uh, that's part of the other problem is it gets so played out so fast because everybody and their brother is singing it. Um, so it felt like for a while everywhere you turned it was oceans. Right now it's that uh, reckless love is the uh, is another worship song that's just everywhere. Um, yeah, great songs. Who's that? Uh, Corey Asbury. Corey Asbury. It's Which, Bethel. Okay. Now again you're bumping into troubling I, ideas. It, yeah, some Bethel and some Elevation. He he's an independent contractor. Yeah. He's Well, so, I mean, so that's part of it. So for me, one of the things that was incredibly different, like when I first heard Crowder, I felt like something in my soul was finding its native language. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Is the way I like to describe it. Like, oh, I've mm-hmm. meant to sing these songs in this way. Didn't matter if they were hymns, just the instrumentation, the cadence, the yeah. way it played itself out. But he was at, he was at a fairly um, avant-garde church. We won't call it. Um, progressive because their theology wasn't necessarily, but Chris C. Chris Say, uh, it was the pastor mm-hmm. of that church. He's the architect behind the Voice Translation Project. And they were at Auburn. No, they uh, were Baylor. Yeah, yeah, Baylor, Texas. Baylor. Okay. Uh, I knew they were around. They were Scott Erickson college. started in that church, mm-hmm. uh, or with connections Scott to Chris C. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I mean, so like they did they did good stuff. Uh, I mean, theology was just giving people better answers to better questions. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're finding now is as there are a lot more voices because people have more, more people have access to the table, you get people that have the ability to produce like Elevation Church in North Carolina that I mean, there are conversations about how Stephen Furtick wants to be a rock star, so they're doing edgier stuff, which makes for some really good edgy worship music. Uh, but it certainly leaves a lot of question marks when you talk about congregations having theological positions that might not be as open inclusive of how God views things as one would hope. Yeah. Certainly not as much as our traditions do. And, and, it, and that, you know, again, it's, it's one thing when there is a really um, theologically deep worship song that comes out of one of those congregations and you wrestle with that a little bit. I'm just noticing, like, even Crowder didn't have tremendous theological depth but there were a lot of songs that like he would sing and i'd go oh i need to ponder what you just said Mm -hmm. uh and think Mm -hmm. through that a couple times i i can't name a worship song that's come out in the last five ten years that has really caused me to go huh 
let me think about that. Let me ponder that. Like, there's just such little theological depth coming in from well, any of these songs. So, and it, an interesting thing that comes out of this conversation is that, again, most of the worship music is pretty nebulous theologically, in that it, it, it's, and I think by design, so that you could fit it into any church. Um, and that we, the, uh, I generally let the praise team at my church pick all the music because I'm not a musician. Um, and I, I will lean them generally towards Hillsong, just like in all else, I'll just say pick a Hillsong song because I think musically they're pretty great uh, and very singable. Uh, and if you cut five choruses out of them, they stay under four minutes, so that's good too. <laughs> um, but the uh, we came up about it with, and this is a little bit of an older song in terms of what we're taught in terms of worship music, but in Christ alone mm-hmm. um, was one that they were going to sing, which is a great song. Like it's just a great song. Um, there's a, there's a troubling line in that song. Th- there's a troubling line in it and, that's very defined. And it was actually, they were going to put it in the new PCUSA hymnal, which came out three years ago, four years ago at this point. Um, and they, the PCUSA wanted to change the line. And the line is, till on that cross uh, up where he died or something like that, the wrath of God was satisfied. That's how it's written. Um, so that's very penal substitutionary atonement. Um, a it's, it's a uh, a top, theological topic to have lots of conversations about, right. um, and um, the uh, PCSA asked for that to be changed, which it had been published in other places with that line altered to say, "Till on that day uh, when Jesus died, the love of God was magnified." Very different approach, uh, and very biblically true. One and one could say the other is biblically true too, but the other. They, they it, it's, it allows for a more open understanding of what that is. Uh, and the authors of that song said, nope. Yeah. And the PCUSA said, fine, we're not putting it in, the, in our hymnal. And we have sang that song since. And when we've sang that song, I've asked the praise band to change it to the modified love of, love of Christ or love of God was modified or magnified. Um, personally, I'm not as down with the with the penal substitutionary atonement. I think it's a problematic line, especially to uh, it, it's often it's a it's a kind of an Easter-ish hymn, um, and it it can create some the, the one of the hard things about songs is that ones with real hard theology write that you don't have time to explain it or to, to especially when there's right. nuance to it. Uh, and I'm not just like penal substitutionary atonement is garbage all the way. I am not a personal fan of it, but I do think it's a conversation to be had about what that means. I, and you can't have that conversation in the middle of it. You can't pause the song and be like, hang on, everybody, let's talk about what this line really is referring to. Um, but it does, as a pastor, again, who's not usually picking the songs, it does mean um, that I have, I do need to be a little more aware of some of those things that because people aren't gonna come out of the, out of the church service and say, let's talk about that line, usually. They just will accept it. Anything that we are, putting out there is generally understood to be we're okay with it and one of the 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 duties in the presbyterian church is that the pastor gets to choose all of the music it is so there are a lot of things that are divided up among the leadership but it says specifically the pastor shall choose the music uh and usually that is given to like the pastor um allow like has has a music director that will that like they kind of give that duty away. Yeah. 
But if it came down to an ultimate say of like, if there was a debate over whether or not a song is going to be performed in worship, the pastor has the ultimate say. So it, it essentially that is the pastor's role to decide what the, the, the lyrical content of, of hymns and things like that will be. Well, and this is that, that all that is true. Uh, and, and I, I think all of that points to a bigger issue um, specifically as a worship leader, like, there's a spectrum between worship music ought to make you think about your theology and worship music will inherently make you feel something. And I think, you know, there's good balance in that spectrum of like, you know, I'm trying to think of old classic hymns that are like, as soon as they start playing, my childhood comes back and I'm feeling something and that's going. But I'm also thinking through like, oh my gosh, what's that line mean? I don't even know. I have to wrestle with that. It feels well, like modern worship music has just ceded to... Like, no one would object to In Christ Alone because of the lyrical content. They would object to not playing it because it makes me feel good about my relationship with Jesus. And I was like, eh, don't go too far to either <laughs> extreme yet. You know what I mean? Well, and it, I mean, for an, a long time, worship, uh, music and worship was a very significant means of transmission of theology. Mm -hmm. Like, they sang these songs because this is partly how they learned. It wasn't completely sermon-based, right? Uh, or, or there weren't other opportunities or there weren't lots of opportunities outside of what happened on Sunday morning. So it was layer on layer on layer of how can we get you as much knowledge. I mean, and especially for Catholic brothers and sisters, yeah. it was one, one of the only ways that they heard stuff in their own language. Yeah. I mean, so that, like that in and of itself, if it's the means of translating, but like the conversations that are happening now in circles that I'm a part of are music directors who want to keep teaching hymns because it's the way to te teaching music. It's not anything about lyrical content. I mean, we, we, we mock or make fun of or drop lines about um, how many times a chorus is repeated. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, that's a psalm thing. That's, that's a biblical thing in as much as it is a modern worship thing. Right. Um, <laughs> Natalie wanted me to say something about, you know, Chris Tomlin and doing these things. I was like, Natalie, let's not get overboard here. Like, Chris Tomlin wrote a chorus for Amazing Grace. Like, I mean, we're talking about stuff that, like the function it serves and how the role that it plays. I mean, I, I think there's reason to say if you don't have time to unpack it, don't put it in there. I mean, what's yeah, it? Yeah. Our friend Rob Bradford would say, don't open a window that you're not prepared to close. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's a fair thing. I mean, I wouldn't put out ideas that you're not willing to engage or deal with or don't feel like you have an opportunity to. Well, I would argue too that like, like all that is absolutely correct. That you know, hymns are the way that the church taught for a long, 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 long time. I don't think we're done with that yet. Hmm. Like, I think music is still the way. Again, I as pre as a regular preacher, I would love to believe that most <laughs> of my church's theology comes from my sermons. I know better <laughs> enough to say <laughs> that that music gets in there. And if you have shallow worship music, and again, that, you're absolutely right. Again, I get tired of the how many times a chorus is repeated meme of contemporary worship. That's not the issue. If there's shallow theology going into those hymns, it will produce shallow theology in the listeners and worshipers. And that's okay. one of the challenges that we face in, a, in being Presbyterians, at least those of us that are gathered on the mic right now, is mm -hmm. that we have this self-importance of our proclaimed theology mm -hmm. and we're not looking at our Baptist brothers and sisters. We're not looking at our evangelical brothers and sisters and giving a lot of validity to their theologies in general. 
So when something that we might say is thin or skim milk is coming across, we're going to dismiss that because it doesn't seem as important or deep or wide ranging as we would hope it would be. Um, but I, I'm not quite ready to say that that's not a reason to have it. Uh, I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that it should be all they're getting, but I, I think that makes it a lot simpler to to go ahead and dismiss. Yeah. Well, it's it. You know, again, it's it, exactly right. I, you don't I, have to say that. I'm not. You are. <laughs> I disagree with you, Carl. <laughs> My, yeah, I'm, I'm prepared for that one, though. Let's I'm go. Not even, <laughs> uh, I, I'm even talking like there was a, a YouTube video a while back of this group of people that came together to, by committee, write a worship song. Oh. Uh, and, and it was, I forget, it was this John Christ or something, someone like that. Um, but the joke that kept, Problematic. Yeah. Problematic. Also problematic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Oh wow! Aren't we all? Somebody, somebody uh, said like, the other day that, no, that this not ver- that much. Somebody <laughs> said the other day this this or that version of Christianity should be called Christ-like. <laughs> Yikes! Yells uh, But but the the joke and the whole thing was like the songwriter wanted to write this deeply complicated song about you know a marriage that was falling apart, and the producer was like, "Great, instead of marriage, say storms, because people can all latch onto that and understand it, and like." That's what I'm talking about of like, yeah. here's the real problem, but we're not going to address that. We're going to couch it in some fluffy language of storms or floods because Jars of Clay made a lot of money or, you know, like there are songs that just oh. dumb down what what has what is really trying to be presented. We also didn't talk about Gunger uh, in terms of worship music oh, and my talking goodness. about like a profound way to have uh, a, a way to allow your worship music or worship to to open you to something that is bigger and other. Now the challenging question and why a lot of people would push back on that is sometimes when you ask big open questions, the answers take you outside of orthodoxy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a whole other host of questions. Who? Yeah. Gunger is interesting. We talked a long time. I mean, there's like episode 20 or 15 or something like that, where we spent a little bit of time on Gunger, but Gunger is one of my favorite again from Carl uh, but just like the whole experience of their albums Beautiful Things is incredible uh, even the Michael Gunger band that, that has White Man guys not White Man really really strong stuff their um, their live album the, oh, Creation Liturgy. Liturgy Creation Liturgy yep. that it's it's incredible um, and they and they're the the Liturgist podcast mm-hmm. and um, they're at a point now that Michael Gunger doesn't like kind of very clearly doesn't consider himself a Christian anymore. Right. Um, even science Mike has left the podcast. Like it's, it's a really interesting kind of, I, I want to say sad story because it makes me sad. I don't know that I want to proclaim it as a sad story, but it's, it makes me sad. <laughs> Michael Gunger's journey makes me sad. Uh, not that, and again, but I think Carl, to your point, it's an interesting thing is if you want people to be open to re-exploring, uh, especially coming out of this evangelical world, re-exploring what Christianity looks like, you also, it, it means that if you're going to be open, you may, that some people are going to go be so open that they just let go of everything. Um, and that's a reasonable thing. I think that that, to me, while I, it makes me sad, I, that's a better alternative than a closed-fisted, um, kind of hold on to dogmatic uh, 
principles without thinking. Um, I'd rather a thinking atheist or a thinking agnostic than an unthinking fundamentalist. Um, it's difficult. And I think, yeah, I mean, to that point, I think that's the risk you run. Um, and that's, I think that's why, and, and I am encouraged by how many of these worship artists are linked to a church now, because I think that's where the community can really help. Um, mm-hmm. If you're gonna if you're gonna ask those deep questions, if you're gonna dive into those uncharted waters, a community can kind of ground you in that. Um, but it, it, it's the risk you run. The other end of it is just to be completely safe all the time, and I'm not sure that's a better alternative um, to just never wrestle with that stuff and never engage. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, and it's important to know that even as we're having this conversation, a lot of the conversation about what Christian music does. It's not one size fits all. We're right. not looking no. for this band, this song is supposed to be Sunday morning appropriate. It's supposed to be youth retreat appropriate. It's supposed to be replicatable by a, a 24-year-old with a guitar. Uh, it's not supposed to be something that transcends. Like, I, And I think that's part of what happens is as it's become monetarily good for some people, money has shaped a lot of what the conversation looks like. And I think while there have been bands that have been put forward as product, I personally like thinking that there are other bands. Like, I I, I full-heartedly, I was the youth guy that said, if you listen to this, I'd suggest this. Yeah, yeah. Um, And not, like, the posters, because I didn't, like, I used to do a six-week series on Christian music because I think there are good things because there's truth when you say, like, if I say it's getting hot in here, there's an immediate response that we all have because lyrics matter. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's, I just think it makes sense to be putting stuff, and that's not that there's not good and healthy edifying stuff. Like, we haven't touched Kendrick Lamar uh, in terms of good, healthy, like where people are growing spiritually and trying to work stuff out. Uh, my goodness. That. But yeah. not going to not gonna land on any Christian lists, nor should it, yeah. per se. I mean, we're not right. delving into... The wonderful U2 canon. Well, uh, and, and similar, I mean, in those, like, Chance the Rapper, uh, and even um, uh, we've, we've kind of quietly brought it up, but not by name, but um, uh, Mumford & Sons. Oh, like, yeah. kind of more... Chance the official the Rapper, Presbyterian Mumford worship band. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> Mumford, Chance the Rapper, and Kendrick are three, and I've mentioned it at various times, they're three of my favorite Christian artists in the mm-hmm. sense of they're, they're talking directly about and J. Cole too, talking directly about faith uh, in a in a, in a Jesus way, uh, and the complications of how how that fits into our life, and often agnostic, but but more faithful than a lot of the kind of um, processed uh, kind of corn syrup music yeah. that you can get. And it, and again, it's not to say all Christian music. And I think that that's the crux of of the need for this episode is the ways in which we, and particularly me, have characterized Christian music as all this kind of, (laughs) the way that I characterize country music, Mm. uh, which is this hyper-produced, garbagey, like, sounds like a robot made it. Um, And every time I make that qualification, then I'll say, but country music before 1985 is great. Like, I'm a big fan of Willie Nelson and Johnny Cash and stuff like that. Like, I I think that you can say the same about Christian music. And and talking about the hymns, I think that hymns... uh, that we do things do fall into the canon over time. There was a point at which "Here I Am, Lord" was a new song, 
and now it's 40, 30 years old from 89. And the same thing with In Christ Alone, the one I was talking about before. That's probably a 20-year-old song at this point. Like that, I think that there are, there are songs that do fall into hymnody yeah. uh, that, that are praise songs now. Um, but it, the, it's more the ones that speak directly to Christ instead of to us. Yeah. Uh, and that's one of the interesting trends in, in praise music, especially, is that they're more, a lot of them are more about us than they are about God. Well, that's, I, I, we danced around it a bunch in this episode of like, I think sometimes, and this is an important clarification to keep in episodes going forward, sometimes when I say Christian music in a eye-rolling derogatory way, what I mean is Christian music industry. Um, yes, that there is, yes, yes. That there is a big money-making thing out there that just produces Christian music. CCM. Right. It is Kendrick Lamar's stuff, Christian music. Um. Chance the Rapper's been doing some stuff. Like there, there are songs that have an obvious spiritual and even Christian bent to them that are outside what I would call Christian music. Um, yes. And, and I think that stuff's great, and I think some of the stuff even in the Christian music industry is really great. Um, it's that big money-making industry that kind of, like, I'm wary of it. I'm not going to dismiss it out of hand, but I'm really wary of it. Uh, and what it's trying to do, what its stated end goal is. I think the simple thing that I'm looking for in hymns, in praise music, in and in secular music, even though I, uh, there is no secular, like it's all just the same, but um, is wonder. Hmm. If if you have songs that that have curiosity, that are that are looking for, or that are asking questions rather than answering them, I think that's far more interesting, and. To me, um, any and, and that's why like Kendrick and uh, Mumford and Sons and even Gunger, like my, even the Michael Gunger stuff, and that's why to me the he's become less interesting when he's become sure that there's no God, hmm. like that, uh, because he's not asking questions the same way he was before, and I would rather have agnostic music than again fundamentalist music, whether that's fundamentalist christian or fundamentalist atheist like because that declarative nature of music like the our god is greater the kind of stuff just seems so like if you don't get on board with this then we're gonna step all over you like that i don't have the i'm far more interested in the um sloppy wet kiss song what's what's that one how he loves and i will never ever how he loves i will never ever sing sloppy wet kiss i can't sloppy wet kiss? i can't for the life of me <laughs> get those words but like to come that out of song, my mouth and that that's a great like uh, the the that song is all wonder and that kind of saying like it's bigger than i can understand it's it's so big and like an unforeseen kiss but i think <laughs> i mean that's thank you Mr. some of that's Crowder. a big part of <laughs> some of that's where you're at theologically though and personally yep. as well that i mean there are people that need that certainty there are people that have oh, the kind yeah. of stuff going on in their life that they need that certainty that I'm not alone. That somebody's watching over me. That somebody's leading me through this. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I mean, that's. I think it's important to be able to say, while you're feeling drawn into a particular space, that that doesn't negate others in that in in their space. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. I mean, I think that's yeah, one of the nice very things much about having different state. churches. And uh, that's yeah. why the job. Yeah, of we being... all need joy to the world. Yeah. We need joy to the world. We need uh, uh, go tell <laughs> on the mountain. Like those are the most declarative hymns we have that are just like Jesus is alive, like that. It's, it's good that we, we need that stuff. So, And again, four weeks ago when I was a worship leader, um, <laughs> that, that was what makes that such a wonderfully frustrating and joyful job is that, I mean, all these songs, hymns, contemporary worship, new stuff, old stuff, 
they're tools in the belt. Uh, when I go yeah. to New Wilmington Mission Conference and I have five songs to, to A, set a tone around a speaker or try and hit a diverse theological group that's gathered for this one week, um, you, you don't just reach for oceans because it's what everybody sings all the time. Like, there's a thought process to what do these people need to sing? What do what am I comfortable with taking them down theologically? Are there places where those are divergent and I might need to help them versus push them versus like versus, you know, practical things like what key is everything in? What's the band good at? Like it's a hard, hard task, but a really fun challenge to kind of play with. So the bottom line is Christian music is good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Always. Just listen to that. All the all the ways. All the Christian ways. Christian music is good. Is that is that what we were doing? Yeah. <laughs> Christian music is good. All yeah. the ways. All the ways. Christian all the music time. Is good. Well, and friends are friends forever. <laughs> if the Lord, if the, the Lord's the Lord of them, them. <laughs> <laughs> they will not say never. <laughs> Twitter question for this week. What are some favorite Christian bands that you had when you were younger or some Christian exposures that you had to Christian music? Like what was your first exposures to Christian music? Uh, and then perhaps like, what's just your favorite praise song? Hmm. Like what song that like, this is my jam every time, uh, uh, when, uh, no country for old men. No, what's the, uh, the Stand by uh, Hillsong. And that comes on. Like, I'm up. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So so if you randomly happen to be in a place where The Stand comes on, <laughs> I just go, woo! <laughs> in the middle of a Chick-fil-A. Immediately in church. Just wherever yeah, he is I in the world. I also want to see, uh, when's the situation that this, The Stand randomly Chick-fil-A. That's it. That's it. Yeah, there's That's no, it. Yeah, no. There, there is no set of circumstances. I, I mean, the aforementioned barbecue that I was at, the block party, we were apparently very excited Christian neighbors because they had whatever their their uh, Alexa was playing was just loud and Jesusy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Which I speak that language, so I was like, "Oh, this should be fun." <laughs> that should be on your on your business card. Loud and Jesusy. Doctor Carl Anderson. Loud and Jesusy. Love it's, it. It's my license plate. <laughs> I am gonna take. Can I can I do a quick plug? Yeah, do it. I, I do nothing of my own volition, but I um, I did want to pass along that uh, the teased artist Lecrae mm-hmm. had a new album called Restoration, and it's really good. And if you want to know in terms of how his crossover appeal is hit, uh, his first single that dropped from it is with John Legend. Sweet. Uh, and it's really, really good. Great. Oh, yeah, that'd be a great baptism song. It's called Drown. Uh, yeah, it's really that really song good. is it's heavy on the John Legend, light on the on the Lecrae. Lecrae sings, which makes it un, like I was like, yeah, oh. don't sing when John Legend's singing. Yes, and, <laughs> and auto tune you're singing like yeah. you might you, you might have swung wrong on that one, uh, <laughs> yeah. but it's still one of the better tracks on the album. I like it. Uh, it's like that Michael Jackson video where he plays uh, he plays basketball with Michael Jordan. <laughs> like, <laughs> don't do that. And Jordan moonwalks. We, so I do want to say, like, just to, to clean up, we should have talked about propaganda. We've already mentioned how propaganda is amazing. Yes. We should have talked more about Lecrae. I think the Church Clothes album is great. I think the album before that is great. Uh, Lecrae is pretty great. There's a bunch of other Christian artists who we didn't talk about that are also great. So uh, sm- Small Little Bow, how crazy is this? I found out that propaganda was a part of a hip-hop group called Tunnel Rats that's born out of Japusa. And oh. one of the first artists that i saw at cornerstone 
almost Jesus 30 years ago yeah, was yeah. uh was tunnel rats like i still Ooh. have this t-u-double-n-e-l rats was was the way the song went um and i had no idea that propaganda was a part of tunnel rats that's awesome well yeah. propaganda is amazing I'll just, good twitter follow too just to just to tie that bow up a little bit obviously one episode cannot cover the totality of christian music who did we nope. leave out because uh, there's surely oh, yeah. a million artists that are doing really good stuff and a million artists that are doing really bad stuff that we just didn't cover. Particularly a lot of female artists. We did not talk about very many yeah. female artists. Yeah. So we are, we're, as is the, the 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 landscape of Christian music, we are we are also very leaning towards the masculine yeah. lead bands and stuff, and that's that's too bad. So point out Audrey's where we missed, and Audrey's we'll song. we'll do another episode or three or four. Because uh, yep. yeah. All right, I've been Jay, and I've been Tyler. I've been Carl. <laughs> this has been Rough Rough the Pastor. Pastor. <laughs> oh, nice.